You're listening to the Pandemic Podcast. We equip you to live the most real life possible in the face of today's crises. My name is Matt Bodker, and I'm, I'm joined with my two good friends, Dr. Stephen Kissler, an epidemiologist at the Harvard School of Public Health, and Dr. Mark Kissler, a doctor at the University of Colorado Hospital. Hey, guys, happy belated Thanksgiving. How's it going? Hey, it's good to hear from you guys. Oh, gosh, it's been forever. How are you, Mark? Good. Happy Thanksgiving, Matt. Mm. It's nice to be back. It is. It is good to have you back. Did you guys have a traditional Thanksgiving or kind of this like pandemic, let's just do this totally different style? We had a pandemic Thanksgiving over here. <laughs> okay. We, I, I was, <laughs> that sounds, it sounds more grim than it was. It was really festive, but it, we did it on, uh, on Saturday because I was working a little bit this week okay. and I cooked an entire, I've never cooked a full turkey before oh. by myself. And nice. so that was an adventure. We got the, we, we ended up with like a 20 pound turkey. So what? we're going to eat turkey soup for three months. <laughs> you know, I didn't know 20 pound turkeys after. existed once they were all cut up. That's amazing. Good work. So what did, Stephen, what did you have for Thanksgiving? It was, I mean, it was also a pandemic Thanksgiving over here too, but similarly. You, know, you had a lean cuisine, right? That's right. That's right. Just <laughs> pop that in the microwave and go. No, we cooked a, a ton of food. I mean, since we were just staying put, there was you know no travel associated. So we actually had a lot more time to do cooking. So we, yeah, we just made a bunch of things. Just kind of picked and chose from each of our families what we traditionally have, but just picked the things that we like the most and cooked those. And it was, <laughs> it was great. Delicious. So yeah, it was kind of like the greatest hits. <laughs> that's awesome. That is actually yeah. really good. That, that's what you need right now. We need the greatest hits album in our life right now for 2020 to keep us motivated. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. I, my, it might be a short hit list, but nonetheless, yeah. <laughs> you're still motivated to listen to that sucker all the time. Stay inspired. Oh man, we got our Thanksgiving. It was totally uh, different, non-traditional. I'm not a big turkey fan unless you just like douse it with gravy and mashed potatoes and stuffing to the point where you don't even see it or taste it anymore. So we went a little bit different. We just did like some tapas, but we had a kind of a medical issues the, the day before Thanksgiving. So that thwarted our, our Thanksgiving a little bit. So it was really extra low key. It was going to be low key, but then it was really low key. But the good news is we went to the woods out in the forests of the mountains, and we chopped our own Christmas tree down. So that was pretty fun. And the boys loved it. So that was our highlight of the week. So if you haven't done that, those of you who are listening, this is the best thing. It's the best pandemic way to do it as well. Don't go to a tree farm or a bunch of places. Go out to a forest, chop down a tree legally, by the way, legally. Just don't chop down random ones. But get your permit. It was a fun experience. The boys loved it. So that was that was our, our highlight of the week. So let's get started. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been together. There's a lot going on. I know we see a huge increase in cases. It's just nonstop. Uh, the death rate is going up. I know for me personally, this is the first time the mortality rate has actually affected me in some in some remote way. We hear it in the news, that kind of stuff. But I've had two people have friends, my good friend from high school. Uh, and growing up, he they babysat me. His father passed away of COVID after 24 hours of getting it. And that was a big shock to everybody's system. And that was a big sad thing to hear from my friend. And I have a person who I know in Boulder whose mother uh, got COVID as well in the same week and passed away two days later. So this is my first time hearing it in like close circles. So just feeling the weight of this and hearing this increase. So I want to throw up to you guys, I'll start with you, Stephen, of just uh, talking about what you're seeing right now with increased cases and what might be to ex be expected, which doesn't, doesn't seem like it's going to be necessarily a great thing in light of the Thanksgiving holiday. 
Yeah. I mean, at first, I just want to say sorry to hear that. You know, it's, it is a really difficult time. And it seems like with every passing week, it, it's closer and closer to home. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it, I think these, these next few weeks will probably continue to be difficult in many ways. We've talked so many times about how there are these delays between the rises in cases and then how they subsequently lead to hospitalizations and deaths. And so the unfortunate thing about that is, of course, cases across the country have largely been on the rise. And that obscures a lot of variation that there is at local levels. We've seen in many places that um, actually many states have been able to turn their case counts around or at least level them off somewhat. But nevertheless, sort of averaged across the country, they're going up. And so that's, that's again, continuing to lead to these increases in deaths. And that will probably continue for the next couple of weeks, because in a way, those are already sort of, you know, those infections have already been triggered. And so there's not a lot we can do at this point. It's just sort of the the people moving their way through the course of infection. So I I mean, I think it will probably continue to get worse before it gets better. But like you said, also, I think that this is really, really affecting a lot of people. And so I'm hopeful that we'll be able to, you know, a a lot of this is is still in our hands. And and there are things that we can do to continue to turn cases around. And I'm hopeful that we'll be able to do that over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I keep seeing the mask research keeping further and further of how great it is and how much it helps to reduce. And I know the, my, my friend whose father passed away, I mean, they don't know where he got it, but they, it sounds like from what he's been kind of talking about that it probably, it came from an un, an unmasked individual, you know, yeah. just in, cause he was around masked people and, and he was masked and it was, it was, it was going well for him up mm-hmm. until that, till that moment. I you know one thing before I throw it, Mark, I want to chat with you in a second about the hospitals, but this one last article, I uh, talked about this idea of uh, doubling the amount of deaths in the next 10 days. Is that something that you guys are talking about that's a real possibility? Is it that quickly increasing the death toll? Well, you know, it it could, you know. The, so uh, what that what that is reflecting is that we've seen the cases double over the course of about 10 days. Mm-hmm. And so it's exactly that, that if yeah. to the extent that the number of cases that we're observing leads to a proportionate number of deaths, and that's that's really just sort of projecting forward the number of cases we've already seen. So I don't know if it'll be exactly doubling, but but it could very well be on that order. And I would imagine like it's not going to be necessarily like the fall. The fall we we kept seeing. You know, Mark brought it up a number of times. Like we're still not seeing an increase of deaths. We're still not seeing an increase of deaths. And then Stephen, you kind of gave the caveat. Well, this is a little bit nuanced, and you gave it mo- multiple caveats because it was happening to the younger generation and the younger kids, college students, and then that had to get to older students. I would imagine the effects of Thanksgiving would probably come sooner than the fall. Is, is, that a, is that a correct way of thinking about this? Yeah, it's, I mean, of course, only time will tell, but yeah. but you're right. I think that there, it seems like there are probably more opportunities for direct transmission to people who are at higher risk groups. So mm-hmm. that delay might shorten some. Yeah. Mark, what about you? Like you've been, you've been out, we haven't heard from you from a few weeks and even in the hospital, I don't know if you've been on the, the COVID rounds and that kind of stuff. What's been your experience at the hospital and the increase of volume there? Yeah, you know, so we've seen, as we've expected over the last couple of weeks, we've seen a big uptick in cases. And there's always the interesting, you know, discrepancy, I think, between how geographic it is and then also sort of the feeling of life inside versus life outside the hospital. One thing that's been on my mind a lot has been our, you know, our where our parents live down in Pueblo, Colorado, has been hit really, really hard over the last couple of weeks. And that's one of those instances where they were relatively spared during the first phase of the pandemic or that first wave in the spring. And we just kind of see different areas, you know, being affected in different ways. Fortunately in Denver, 
so far we've had enough resources to help to relieve some of the other outlying areas a little bit with patients when they get overwhelmed. We're starting to see, and we have seen a, a significant increase in our patient counts absolutely over the last couple of weeks. And I think everybody's from, from just sort of a subjective standpoint, everybody's holding their breath a little bit to see what happens through Thanksgiving. You know, it's an, it's, it's funny because there's just such a sense, you know, if everybody's feeling good and you're not seeing the cases kind of personally from day to day, I think there's a sense of like, you know, is this, how, how bad is it? You know, there's even now there's questions of like, you know, is this really as, as big of a deal as we think it is? And well, I would say that, you know, in the hospitals, we, at least here in Denver, we're able to manage the patient volumes. Fortunately, we have a lot of additional volunteers who've been coming in to help out from other divisions of medicine. And our, you know, clinical operations folks have been working really tirelessly to to ramp up our our ability to be to kind of take care of patients uh, in the safest way possible. We have seen, you know, it is it is definitely going up. You know, we're seeing a lot more cases, and so it's something that's just on my mind. Well, it'll be we'll just see how the next couple of weeks go, but I think that we will see how well we did with social distancing over Thanksgiving within the next week or two. And for you, Mark, I mean, I don't even know, like when it comes to capacity, where are you guys at a capacity right now? Are you guys still like, oh, you're, you're at 25% or do you guys kind of measure that or where you're at right now versus how much room you have to grow and spare? Okay. Sorry for the disruption. We have to modify a couple of things because uh, good old Mark, he's got a household full of streaming individual children who are actually learning remotely. So it's causing some hiccups. <laughs> That's right. So we had to move. We're, we're doing our best. We're, we're, do, we're at least hopefully they're not moving backwards. <laughs> yeah, we, awesome. Everybody's, everybody's home now. It's been, it's, it's pretty crazy. We, everybody's home now post Thanksgiving. We're fortunate they were in, you know, as long as, as they were mm. and, you know, everybody stayed healthy, but we're, we got my, my wife's finishing a PhD and like the kids are streaming and everybody's got meetings going here and there. It's, it's, everybody knows everybody's listening has lives like this you know or there's something crazy going on so and and so so all this is going on and so marks has to go because the place is melting down there's a lot going on and we got him on so it sounds he sounds totally different right now because we had to patch him in through the cell phone because his broadband is just tapped but i wanted to ask him one last question in light of this of just with your experience of the hospitals, like where is it at a capacity right now? Is that something where like, oh, we're only at 25% and you have a lot of room to grow? Or is that something where you guys are feeling the weight and starting to feel getting close to a threshold? Or what's your experience with that kind of area of the hospital? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the big thing to say to that question is that our governor asked all of the Colorado hospitals, I think just last week, to submit a plan for how we would operate at 50% above capacity. Okay. And so the indication being, you know, we're we're not there yet, but that we need to have sort of operations plans in effect so that we can just drop into that if at some point between, you know, now and the, and the new year, we end up at 50% above capacity. Capacity is kind of a tricky thing at, at times because it's it's not always beds, it's also personnel. And it, as we saw in the first wave of the pandemic, as elective procedures and other types of hospitalizations have decreased, we've been using those beds and some of that personnel for COVID patients. And so there's a little bit of a, it's it's always a little bit of a moving target. I would say, you know, right now we have, we already have extra teams. We have lots of extra ICU teams from what we have had, you know, in the, in the previous previous months and we're seeing a lot uh, of increased hospitalizations. I don't have the n- specific numbers yeah. here in front of me, but that being said, I do think that our in-hospital mortality is, as we've talked about previously is lower than it was during the first 
phase of the pandemic as well. And so we're seeing length of stay at times be a little bit shorter, but especially our in-hospital mortality is a little bit lower. And so even though we're hitting numbers as high or higher than our April peak right now, we still, you know, for the time being are, are feeling okay and feel like we have a plan to go ahead. Thanks for sticking on a little bit longer, Mark. I really appreciate it. I know you got to go. Have a wonderful day. And then hopefully when all the technology glitches get resolved, we can come back in on full stereo flavor. Sound good? That sounds great. All right. Great talking to you guys. All right. Yep. Take care, Mark. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, Stephen, back to you dealing with the vaccine. We had a few things show up lately. We have AstraZeneca, a little bit of information on that. Can you give us a little bit of information on what's going on with that? All I heard in the news was something about how they're going back to another round of trials because either of a mishap or a discrepancy in data or maybe hiding some data. But what do you know about AstraZeneca and where it's at and where it's going right now? Yeah, so it's been an interesting story, and my information about it is only partial too. But from what I understand, it sounds like there there was a mistake in the trial in which a number of the trial participants who got the actual vaccine only got a half dose of the vaccine for the first of the two doses that are required for it. I'm not entirely sure how that ended up happening mm-hmm. but you know this is these are these are the complexities of, yeah. of running vaccine trials in record time and mm-hmm. so but one of the remarkable things about this is that in their two arms of the trial so they, they compared to the data that was thankfully they had good documentation of who was in which group and who only got a half dose on the first time and uh, remarkably the people who got a half dose for the first vaccine and then a full dose for the second one according to their analysis had quite a bit higher vaccine efficacy than the people who got the full dose on on both shots. The difference being on the order of between like the the lower efficacy was like on the order of like 65% and the higher was on the order of like 90, which makes it comparable to the to the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines. So there's been a lot of head scratching as to both, you know, what happened to bring this about and then also why this discrepancy. Now, some of the discrepancy could just be chalked up to small sample size. So there's some uncertainty there. And I think that's why the trial is now continuing to try to see if this is a true effect or if they just got this high efficacy by chance. A couple other explanations have been proposed. One is a biological one, which is that by having a half dose the first time around and then a full dose the second time, essentially what that does is that allows your immune system to get primed to the virus, or not to the virus, but to the the vaccine, which vaccinates against the virus the first time. But if you get too big of an initial dose, then your body sort of, and and this is again, speaking about immunology, which I know (laughs) not nearly as much about as I I feel like I should put that asterisk at the beginning of every one of these things, because now I'm speaking (laughs) about things that I don't actually, I'm not an an expert in, but but basically some some speculation that maybe with a really big dose, your body doesn't actually mount as good of an immune response to it because it, it just so completely all of its alarm bells go off and it just like neutralizes it before it has a chance to really develop the sort of immune memory that you'd need to fight off further infection. So that's one idea. Okay. Another contributor that's been proposed is more of a behavioral one, which I think is really interesting, which is that, so these vaccine trials work so that some people get the vaccine and some people get a placebo. Basically, I I think the, the placebo has either been just a shot of salt water or sometimes people get a, a different vaccine. But one of the concerns is that the people who got the real vaccine but only got a half dose didn't develop the side effects that you get because since it was a smaller dose, you wouldn't have gotten the side effects. And so part of the concern is that 
for for those people, then they would have assumed that they got the placebo. And so they would have continued being very cautious in their behavior. Whereas uh, people who did develop side effects would have been like, oh man, I got the real thing. I got the vaccine, you know, so maybe they're going to let down their guard a little bit and lead to a lower efficacy there. So there, there could be a behavioral gosh. explanation for part of this as well. And I think that's why they're continuing these trials just to really pin down what exactly was going on. I didn't even think about that version, man. This is complicated, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, it's there's there's so much going on. <laughs> well, you you, you kind of just talk about side effects. Let's go there because I I heard a couple articles about Moderna and Pfizer and of course AstraZeneca about side effects are next big challenge. And I know weeks ago we talked about this as being ah oh, there's really not much of a side effect. Are there any updates, particularly with Pfizer and Moderna, since they're the ones really going to be coming out any week now, that are that we should be concerned about? So from from what I can tell, there are no side effects that we really need to be concerned about. It seems like the so both vaccines can lead to side effects for sure. And those side effects can make you feel like you've been infected with, with a virus for a short <laughs> period of time. And so, you know, but this this makes a lot of sense because in a way you are being injected with a foreign body and your your own body is is doing what it does when that happens. And so all of the side effects that you're feeling, which include fever and sometimes fatigue, come from your body's immune response. So it's really an indication that the vaccine is working. And part of the trade-off that we might have for these very what seem to be very effective vaccines are these maybe slightly higher profile of side effects than you might get for other types of vaccines like maybe the seasonal flu vaccine. But of course, you know, recall that the seasonal flu vaccine's efficacy is, is usually between 40 and 60%, and this is upwards of 90. So sure. so that there may be that trade-off for sure. But of course, the key here is that these vaccines seem to be very good at preventing severe illness. So even if you feel it, you'll probably be less sick than you might be if you actually got COVID. And crucially, you know, these things are also likely to be public health tools. So it'll be to prevent you from spreading the virus to other people. And so... Yeah, so so that's that's sort of what's in play there. So there there are symptoms for or there are side effects for sure that are worth being mindful of. I'm not totally sure like what the severity of those tends to be. I have heard that they can usually you feel it when you get one of these shots for maybe a couple of days afterward yeah. and I think that makes good sense, but I think is is not a reason to be concerned about them. It is in fact an indication that they're doing their job. Mm -hmm. Now, any updates? You were just kind of leading to this because we were saying it's about this time, maybe next week, about Moderna and Pfizer and or we'd know whether to what to what extent does it prevent transmission? Does it, you know, those those complications of how is it actually effective? Has that been released yet or is that still up, up and not quite public yet? To my knowledge, that's not public yet. And I think that it will be a while, especially the question about how well they prevent transmission. That I think is probably not something we're really going to know for sure until we start rolling these things out to the broader population and then doing some epidemiological analysis. But in terms of preventing severe illness, so I think it was just this morning that Moderna put in their request for emergency approval for the, from the FDA. And that was based on them completing their trials and showing both a statistically significant decrease in the total number of cases and basically, in their trial, there was a complete absence of severe illness in the vaccination arm, which is very good news. Now, that doesn't mean that getting the vaccine makes severe illness impossible. It could just be a very, very low probability event. But still, if it's a very low probability event, that's a very good thing. We'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. And then 
one probably one more question, and we'll probably wrap this up with all our technological difficulties we've had this this weekend. We'll be back on a on a better schedule next Monday. You were mentioning about how with this Pfizer and Moderna, that potentially because of its difference and uniqueness and also its response, ninety percent effective. That yeah, there might be some a little bit more of a side effects in ones that have forty to sixty percent, all different kind of complications. Now I've been hearing this in small little circles. So I just want to bring it into to the the forefront discussion of saying, oh, this is a terrible idea. This is a whole different kind of vaccine. This changes your entire DNA, and it's going to change you who you are. It's gonna, you're going to be more susceptible to all these different things. Is there any truth to this, or am I just in, in a different world of what I'm reading right now? Yeah, so these are everything that you've just mentioned are arguments that have been leveled at various times against all the different vaccines that we have available. So they're, they're pretty consistent arguments that, at least the ones that you've mentioned, I think are not based in scientific reality. But it, it does make sense to me that like why there would be some concern about some of this, because on the surface, so on the surface, essentially what you're doing is you're injecting a short sequence of RNA, which is genetic material. It's different than the genetic material that we use as the basis of our genomes, which is DNA. But we inject this genetic material that's basically coated in these fat particles. And these go into your body. They get taken up by basically immune cells that circulate in your skin and in your muscles. And then those immune cells do what they do anytime you get a foreign body that invades. And they express basically chopped up portions of the proteins that are encoded by that RNA on their surface. So then your immune system can mount a response. So RNA is really interesting. It's it's a very unstable molecule, biologically speaking. So once it gets into your body, it's really not, it doesn't take long for it to completely degrade. And so in that sense, it has a really, a pretty low, like it's just not going to be circulating for very long. It's going to get taken up by your, your immune cells. And then it's going to be these sort of, it's, I mean, it's already neutralized. It can't replicate. It can't, um, it can't integrate into your genome. Our genomes aren't even based on RNA. Our genomes encode RNA, which then encode proteins. But this isn't like doing anything to our genomes or making us different organisms or anything like mm-hmm. that. The, there's just there's no there's no biological process that could make that happen. Now that that's actually different than viruses, which some viruses actually can integrate their genomes into our <laughs> our our DNA. So viruses are, are pretty crazy things, you know, and we, there's, to my knowledge, I mean, I think that there's like the human DNA sequences do contain quite a bit of viral (laughs) DNA too, just because we've had viruses for a long period of time. So, and, and we see that because, you know, there are viruses that can lead to cancer. HPV Uh, is is the canonical example, right? And that's part of what's going on there is they introduce sort of mutations into, into our genome that can lead to the development of cancers. So, so viruses to me are much more concerning than these vaccines because these vaccines don't have the possibility of replicating or of integrating, but viruses do both. So in that sense, scientifically speaking, everything that I've seen and that I can reason through suggests that these things are, are a lot safer than getting infected <laughs> by the thing itself. The great irony of it, that in fact, it's, it's potentially the exact opposite, that by obtaining right. the vaccine, you're lowering your chances to actually change your DNA and not increasing your chance to change your DNA. So hopefully yeah. that goes a little bit of a, a word to those out there who may be a little hesitant 
and until I get it, it'd be the first round. I'm an early adopter, as I mentioned. I would take it on the very first day. If once it came out, I don't think it's going to be even available to me in my particular class of where I'm at in my age group. And my family wants me to wait just a little bit before I before I become the early adopter. But I'm excited for it to come out. I hear it's going to. Is it right in a couple of weeks, maybe that the first round might be coming out? Yeah, I think so. They're probably going to start with people in long-term care facilities and healthcare workers, and then just keep on going out. So I think I think we'll probably see the first people in those facilities start getting vaccinated within the next yeah. couple of weeks. And the new the new end is in sight, and I'm so excited to see how this turns out. We're going to end there just because we've had a lot of technical difficulties, and I'm going to have quite the job of editing this son of a gun. <laughs> so, so I'm going to have some time working on that today. So we're going to leave you there. Mark, he's gone, but I'm thankful that he was able to join us for a little bit. Stephen, thank you so much for coming back on and just uh, reconnecting. It's been a couple of weeks. And uh, for all you out there, if you can leave a review, didn't mention it at the very beginning, please do. You can do that on through Apple Podcasts and all in the show notes as well. The reviews are hugely helpful for us to kind of rise and give this information to people who need it. And if you can at all uh, offer any kind of financial benefit, as little as $5 a month helps keep this going. You can do that at um patreon.com slash pandemic podcast. Okay. Just an FYI, my computer melted down two weeks ago. And so that's been part of the problem. Mark got a new computer. We're just in technological bliss and also uncertainty. Just so uh, we'll get these things worked out. We'll be back next week. Have a wonderful week. I hope you had a wonderful and great Thanksgiving. We'll see you next Monday. Take care. Bye-bye.